and thank you for listening to Roots and Wings, a podcast produced by the Tennessee Commission on Children and Youth. I'm Jonkel Newland, the director of Kid Central TN. On this episode, we're going to continue our mini-series throughout the month of September that is focusing on the stories of Tennessee families, specifically how their lives have changed throughout the past several months. We want our listeners to know and to understand that whatever you and your family are going through right now, you're not alone. So I'd like to introduce my guest for this episode, Katie Cundy, a local mom who happens to be a developmental therapist that works with young children across the state and most recently here in Davidson County. I hope our conversation today may lead to a few helpful tips families can benefit from. Katie, thank you so much for being a guest on Roots and Wings. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Well, first, I'm very interested to know just a little bit about your family. So if you wouldn't mind, please share as much as you're comfortable with. (laughs) Yes, of course. I have been married for about 12 years to a man who actually immigrated here from England. And lucky for me, he decided to stay. We have a biological seven and a half year old son who is on the typically developing scale And we have a 12 and a half year old son who we did adopt about four years ago, but he has been with us for going on nine years. Our uh, 12 and a half year old James has something called the George syndrome, which also for him includes some cognitive delays, some behavior problems, along with a myriad of health problems, such as he's had open heart surgery and as recently of this week had adenoids and tonsil surgery due to severe sleep apnea. And we have a dog named Lily. Oh, Lily. What kind of dog is Lily? Now I'm curious. <laughs> She's a multi-poo and she is... Um, doesn't know how to play nice with people because she wants to play with them, but she makes the sound. And so that's a way to make friends in the neighborhood when your dog is really losing it. (laughs) And you have to be like, sorry, she's just excited for people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you have a, a wonderful family. Thank you for sharing about them, Katie. I, you know, as I've been having conversations with just friends and especially with my my friends with younger children, you know, just the stories that I'm getting. And, you know, we each have our own personal story as we're, we're going through this, since it's really history in the making this whole entire year, pretty much. Um, I mean, how are, how are you guys doing, Katie? Like, how are each member of your family doing? How are you guys? So... You know, for us, and I'm sure like most families here in Tennessee, it's day by day, week by week kind of thing. We live in Rutherford County, so school has started back. Um, We did choose to do in-person for both of our boys, you know, with James being needing extra care and having an IEP, really doing digital has been kind of it's been hard for him and he needs a little bit more of that one-on-one and in-person. Unfortunately, he hasn't started yet due to having surgery and we had to quarantine due to COVID concerns. Mm. So, you know, this week has been, to be really honest, it's been rough. He isn't necessarily understanding where the pain is coming from, why he can't swallow, why his voice sounds the way it does. Um, You know, So that's kind of taken a step back and allowed, it's, it's allowed my husband and I to kind of go, okay, what do we need to do to meet his needs? You know, you kind of find yourself when things come up, you 
you you go through the clutter of life and kind of find what's what you need to do. And right now it's to take care of this child. Right. Um, our other son, Henry, just he did start school on Monday. So two days late because of quarantining. Um, and he's, you know, he's such a little he kind of finds enjoyment in life. And it's been really interesting because he's never known life without James. James has always been his brother because mm-hmm. we had James before Henry was born. And so for him, this has been just another week of, Oh, I hate that my brother's sick, but also he's able to start back in school and he was excited to go to the bus stop and see his friends. And so I had that high of watching him get on the bus, kind of the lowness of, okay, you've got a mask, you've got two replacement masks, I'm sending in this extra hand sanitizer, and I'm sending in some paper mask for the teacher. So it's, I think like a lot of people, my week has been up and down and kind of coming and going and trying to take in what information I can for the bandwidth that I have as a mom and a spouse and just a person, honestly. Right. You bring up, you know, and thank you for sharing that that with us, Katie. I, I can't imagine, first off, the stress of just, you know, having a surgery done in the middle of a pandemic. That had to be very, I mean, what was that like, Katie, when you realize all this? I know it's probably been planned forever, but when the pandemic hit, you realize this was all happening during a global bit global pandemic. Was that a stressor on top of everything else that would have normally come with it? I'm sure. (laughs) So it's kind of funny that you asked that because, you know, back in 2016, James had open heart surgery and we kind of found out about that literally in March and it was scheduled three weeks later. So that was kind of a whirlwind time and we were getting in the process of adopting him at the same time. So I feel like just, and also being the mother of a child with special needs, you're kind of used to things. You can't really have a plan. You Mm -hmm. can't have this, okay, this is how it's going to go. So for James, the way it started was he's always had some behavior problems and he's never been a great sleeper. And I read something somewhere about a mom talking about sleeping. And sure enough, I mentioned it to his ENT, who we have a good relationship with. And that was back in January, February. We didn't get the sleep study until June. And at that point, I did find myself going, do I keep this sleep study? Do I not? You know, there were all these rules and regulations. You couldn't take a CPAP in and my husband needs a CPAP to sleep. So therefore, I was the one that would go with James to do this sleep study. And then we got the results and I am a little bit more of an extroverted introvert. And so (laughs) I did call his speech therapist and just say, hey, could we kind of go ahead and get a speech eval done? So for me, it was the data and the planning that felt like control for me because in the midst of all this, I found out, oh, he's got severe sleep apnea. He's stopping breathing 12 times an hour. Wow. And his oxygen levels are getting down to 80. And that's scary when you've got a kid, just a kid, but then you throw in the heart problems and the behavior problems. So it, you know, it never really felt like my husband, Steve and I 
were like weighing the cost. It was more of a, this needs to happen for the sake of this child and we'll take off work and we'll do what we need to do. So I feel like many parents, you know, you just kind of, you just kind of go with it and you hope and pray that you're doing the right thing. And like I said, this week's been rough, but we're trying to meet the needs and we're able to stay in kind of as a family to care for him. Right. You know, as a developmental therapist, Katie, I I understand that you probably are very much more aware of the change in behaviors. And you mentioned obviously your, your children's behaviors a few times. And have you noticed or I don't want to say when, but have you noticed any kind of like change in behavior in the last like four or five months specifically that you think might be obviously related to just the change in everyday life? I definitely have. um, You know, my husband and I were talking about this. We, with Henry, you know, being on the typical developing scale and being a seven-year-old boy and having to miss that last half of first grade, we've noticed for him, he's kind of become a little bit more introverted. And so I'm having to open my ideas of coping skills. There's a lot of talking. We, in terms of Jamie, we do a lot of positive behavior management with him. We use um, a reward system. Some people use a star chart. We actually use something called warm and fuzzies, which is just like a pom-pom. And those can translate into either you know, money to get a toy or can translate into an activity. We kind of go with the flow on that. But for Henry, it has been opening up my idea and letting him have more computer time and doing Minecraft. And that actually paid off because this week when he started school, he comes home and he's like, oh my gosh, other two boys in my class love Minecraft too. (laughs) And so four or five months ago, I would have been like, you're not getting on the computer this much. Go outside, enjoy. But now it's like, oh, that's not a super option for us, you know, to be around other people, you know, and especially in a Southern summer wearing a mask, you want to keep hydrated. Um, as for James, I've noticed he's already been pretty introverted. You know, he still wants to play and be outside. I think, honestly, for us, it, this time may have been a bit of a blessing because we've been able to focus a little bit more on reactions, you know, mm-hmm. labeling those emotions. Oh, are you feeling scared because there's a thunderstorm outside or, Oh yeah, you saw that. That's right. Everybody has to wear a mask now when we go to the grocery store. Why do you think that is? So that's been able to almost give us a little bit more time to be with him and kind of explain, excuse me. So I think that's, what's kind of interesting is one child I've been able kind of to let go and explore a little bit more on his own online and play games, I mean, with supervision. And the other one I've almost brought a little bit closer to explain those emotions. Right. So my life is definitely not what it was in January of this year. Right. It's very different. I mean, and through all that, Katie, I mean, that's a lot of thought and planning. And and like I said, you, you know, Um, but I mean, are you also able to to take care of yourself and, and your spouse? Are you guys able to take care of yourself, yourselves in order that you can keep up with your kids the way you guys are? We are definitely trying. Um, Steve and I, we typically have about an 
we used to have two to three hours at night to kind of, you know, reconnect, watch a TV show, talk. And due to COVID, my husband typically travels up until, so March 14th was our first full day of kind of quarantining. I remember being out, we had dinner and we were like, okay, this is the last time we're going to eat out for a while. Mm -hmm. And up until that point, he had traveled every week of this year. And my husband had been to about four different countries and just traveled constantly. So when this started, we were kind of able to, you know, the hope was we could kind of have a little bit more time together. Due to COVID, he's now working at 4 a.m. because he does work with Europe so often. So we've been able to switch. Um, so we're still trying to do our things, you know, together, we recently kind of started looking at the way we eat because we're so much more sedentary than we were seven months ago. Mm -hmm. Normally with my job, I'm out and about with him. He's traveling airports, doing a lot of walking. So it's been kind of neat to redo kind of what we look at as healthy foods and healthy living and taking the dog for a walk. Um, just trying to find a way to reconnect and what has been nice is not just my relationship with my spouse, but with my friends too, and being able to take from people what their coping mechanisms are and talking about that. And of course, you know, things like social media or text messaging have become a lifeline because I'm not able to see people in person as much. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. And it's, um, you know, now that people are home a lot more, we're, we're on our devices a lot more in front of screens a lot more. And, and that's both a blessing and a curse. <laughs> Depends yeah. on which way you start, you know, or which way you go with that. Um, I am curious, Katie, what was that moment like for you and your family members? And you kind of mentioned this a little bit, but as all this was kind of beginning and you mentioned the dinner you guys were having before you were really going into quarantine, but was there a moment when... I mean, was that an, always an under, understanding from the beginning or was there a moment when you when you and your, your children especially that they were realizing and kind of taking in and understanding that things are changing really for good for a while? And, and kind of what was that moment like? You know, I think in the beginning, because it was kind of cooler too, it was kind of an opportunity to be like, oh, it's just a snow day kind of thing. <laughs> um And then for sure, as we started staying in more and more and trying to do some online classes and get the children used to, you know, kind of that Monday through Friday schedule and going, oh, even though you're waking up in the same place, it's still a school day. Um, So I don't know. I just, I definitely remember that Friday, the 14th, I'm pretty sure is what it was. And no, it was Friday the 13th and getting the call, we were at um, out looking at books and we were like, Oh, let's stock up on some books, some art things. Let's go ahead and do this. Cause we're going to be in for a little bit. And then going out and having sushi for dinner and being like, okay, this is it. So I specifically remember that time, but in terms of every other change, it's been a little bit more gradual. Mm-hmm. You know, Henry has gotten quite upset and he's like, why can't people just wear a mask? I want to go back to school. <laughs> Don't people know that there are rules? And 
So that's been kind of hard is explaining to this seven-year-old where our values lie and why we see the importance of following guidelines and somebody else may not, but to still realize everybody has a freedom to think how they want to. And so I think in terms of these points that I've hit, which honestly I find very common to being a mom of a child with special needs, it, it's a ebb and flow. It's, you know, like the ocean. It, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's harder. And those days when my seven-year-old is crying because he wants to go play with his friends but can't, and then we go for a drive and he sees people not wearing a mask and he's confused, that's been the hard part, you know, in terms of with James. I'm my big concern that's going to be hard is when he starts back to school and having that routine. Um, he craves a routine, but he also very much fights change. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be an interesting kind of thing. So for us, I don't, I remember doing a coronavirus journal with them that like when all this first started was kind of floating around, a friend sent it to me. And so that was kind of like, oh, this is just a memory. And now it's, this is life. And, you know, I'm washing 10 to 15 masks every other day, you know, and changing clothes and saying, okay, you just got home from school, change clothes, wash your hands. You can go play now kind of thing. Um, It's been more of that and trying to be open and talking to the kids about their fears and the concerns. One of my big things when they're acting out is to say, what is your fear? What are you fearful of? Um, Instead of it being buried and becoming scarier than what it is, trying to get it out in the open so that we're all together. Is that something that you find they're very open to doing or something that they've kind of done all their lives? Because you've probably done that with them all their lives. But um, for parents who, who have a hard time kind of talking with their kids, even getting them to open up. I'm trying to kind of like, what do you do? (laughs) Is it easy for them to respond or what would you suggest for parents? Maybe if they're having a little trouble, like communicating with their, with their younger children specifically about all of this. For us, this was not necessarily something we have done their whole lives. Um, Some things happened right at about a year ago with James that caused us to really pivot the way we were as a family. And that's when I started getting more comfortable with labeling emotions and labeling feelings. You know, I've always had trainings with my job talking about social emotional. And this was a really a big effort between my husband and I, and even my parents who live up here and Jamie's support team talking about, we need to frame things in a positive manner. Um, And so it didn't come supernaturally. It took a little bit to really learn and to talk about that and to talk about the feelings and label it in a way where it's not just, why are you throwing a fit? And instead saying, oh, are you feeling anxious because of, Mm -hmm. you know, us going outside or, oh, you're excited because we're going to go, you know, to the water or something today. So I think for a lot of parents, you can't ever feel like, oh, it's late. My, I haven't been doing this long enough or my child uh, is too old. 
you know, sometimes the boys respond really well to it. Sometimes they don't. What has been the biggest for me is one time, or James has started to really kind of later, it's through gritted teeth, but he'll be like, I'm just upset that I didn't get a toy. And it's, that's huge. <laughs> and he's honest. Right. Happening. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and so I feel like the biggest thing that's worked for us and works And it's really hard to frame things positive, especially during COVID when we don't know where our money is going. You know, there's multiple things. There's COVID, there's an election, there's a lot of information, there's social media, and it can be hard to stay positive, but framing it that way, it does, it's helped me to kind of change my thinking and even my husband's and my dad's. You know, my dad is just turned 68 and was very much used to the stop crying. You don't need to act like that. And now he's, you know, asking my son, Oh, what's wrong? Why do you think you're mad? And that has made a huge difference. And I think that's one way with behavior and, you know, you're not ignoring it. You're literally paying attention to what the child's behaviors are doing. You know, they always say with behavior management, ignore what you don't want to see, pay attention to what you want to see. So if James is throwing a fit and throwing the pillows on the ground, I'm going to ignore that. But when he's done and starts to calm down and I say, are you feeling frustrated that you couldn't have ramen noodles for dinner? And talking that through with him and then he picks up the pillow, we're able to help because his where he is cognitively even though he's 12 and a half he's probably five and a half Mm -hmm. um with intellectual cognitive abilities so that for him is knowing that feeling you feel or like right now with his throat that is because of you had this surgery and it's swollen and explaining things which in a busy world is hard it's hard to stop when i'm trying to cook or do laundry or you know i'm still working and in fact was working uh almost double for the month of july so being able to step back and say yeah you're right that is really frustrating he did come in and change the channel when what I want to do is like, just stop fighting. Right, right. That takes Um, a lot of your energy and thought to have to even just step away or turn your attention away for just a moment. It does. You know, I do feel like it has, it has paid off, but it's like anything. You've got to put that work in, in the beginning. You know, um, I just watched... (laughs) the last dance, I'm a little late, but just watching the professional athletes and how they really put that time in and, you know, realizing I don't have to be this, you know, huge star to be able to make a change. Mm -hmm. It really is putting in that work and being a team and whether that team is with your spouse, with your family, with your friends and with the family that you picked, you know, that, or as I call them, my family, (laughs) you know, and knowing, and sometimes even using yourself, knowing that if it's really tough and the kids are okay, you know, you may have been told, don't let them watch TV, don't let them watch TV, but you're having a really tough day that it's okay to let them sit there and watch TV for another 30 minutes. So you can just maybe go sit on the front step and take 
a couple deep breaths, that right. that is okay. Nobody is judging you. And if they are, that is not your fault. That has nothing to do with you. That is them. I think that's the biggest thing that helps because your behavior trickles down to the children. Great point. Wow. Katie, thank you so much for sharing that and and sharing the stories about your children, Henry and James, and of course your spouse, Steve. I I really appreciate that. And I hope that our listeners have been able to take this conversation and and maybe find some information that they believe might be helpful in their own lives. Um, I really do appreciate your time. And I really hope uh, James, give him my best as he continues to recover, because that's never fun (laughs) for anybody for anything. Um, But thank you so much, Katie, is there anything else that, that I did not ask that you wanted to make sure our listeners are maybe aware of or thinking of as, as we all kind of continue throughout this year? Um, I think my biggest thing is just to really not, just not feel like you're alone, you know, and finding that group. And it's such a balance and nobody has it has it right. And I think, I'm so sorry. I think that's the whole point is that to know we are, you're not alone. And even if you feel alone, there are resources and everybody's going through it. The, everybody, everybody is experiencing COVID. It doesn't have a race or socioeconomic or religious impact. It's hitting all of us. And to hopefully take this as a chance to reset, maybe take a deep breath instead of expecting to, you know, start a new diet or become a yoga <laughs> like enthusiast. But instead, right. it's okay to be the same. It's okay not to make progress. It's okay to survive. I think that's my biggest thing because life just goes up and down. I don't think any of us thought on January 1st, this is where we would be this year. So, no. yep, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Well, again, uh, thank you so much, Katie. And I I really do wish you and your family the best. And I appreciate you being a guest on Roots and Wings. And to our listeners, thank you again for listening to Roots and Wings. This has been another episode. And of course, I'm John Cole Newland. We'll see you again next week. Mm